0: from itself.
1: Welcome to today's episode and today we are talking about something that has been in our minds for a really long time and it is a word that at least I think sometimes that I do not use completely correctly. So Kim, what the heck is intersectionality?
0: Okay, intersectionality is a pretty straightforward concept. Mm -hmm. The idea is that All identities are built of multiple overlapping categories. Right. And often the exigencies of political and legal structures ignore that. right? So the intersections in intersectionality are intersections between categories of race and sex and gender and class and nationality and language, all of these different social and political categories that make up political life. Right. Intersectionality is a term that is coined by a legal scholar whose name is Kimberly Crenshaw. Right. And she coins it in the late 80s in order specifically to talk about the intersections of racism and sexism. So I will read you a quote Uh from uh, a 1991 essay. She says, although racism and sexism readily intersect in the lives of real people, they seldom do in feminist and anti-racist practices. So the essay is about how anti-racism and feminism often fail to address the problem of domestic violence and rape against black women.
1: So intersectionality is something that can be described as the way in which categories of race and sex and class and gender are influenced slash inflected by each other. It is not like a category in the same way that these others are.
0: Exactly. It is about how these categories interact to produce real political, legal, experiential effects.
1: And so Crenshaw herself is a lawyer. So she's like thinking about this concept. I mean, granted that it has had like this immense life afterwards, but in its inception, it is like a very practical legal concept.
0: Yeah, it's a concept that accounts for the ways in which the category of women mm-hmm. in the dominant discourse ends up being subsumed by a specific group of women, the women who happen to have the most power in that discourse. Right. right? So the it ends up being assumed by the bodies of white middle-class women.
1: Right.
0: And the category of blackness on the other hand, ends up being assumed by male bodies. Mm -hmm. So all black people are men, all women are white, and black women just fall out of the middle.
1: Right.
0: And so she comes up with this theory of intersectionality to describe how the historical efforts of feminism Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the historical efforts to combat racism which are both legal fights, so this activist legal work, mm-hmm. why it has not managed to deal with the problems of black women, specifically the real problems of domestic violence against black women. Right.
1: It's it's really interesting that, you know, this is a differential concept which is being evolved to, you know, increase visibility in the late eighties, nineties. Is a moment in you know global feminist movements as well because I can think of you know the work of Chandra Talpade Mohanty who writes her most well-known books in like the late 80s and early 90s you know on Western eyes and third world women and politics of feminism where she's talking about how you know white feminism doesn't at all describe let alone redress problems faced by let's say women in India. Crenshaw is kind of speaking to a moment in global feminism
0: yeah and she says in the essay that she has used this concept she's developed this concept in her analysis of race and gender politics in the united states but she understands that it's a very portable concept
1: right so my next question is and i understand that i put you in a difficult spot by asking you this question but at this moment in time only you Adams can answer. Uh-oh. Uh, how do we use intersectionality?
0: What? That's not a difficult question at all. <laughs> it's a very simple question. We use it to critique the systems that have developed these concepts of identity in the first place right not by making this um sort of anti-essentialist critique which she's really skeptical of by saying in fact these identity categories have no meaning they are fictional but instead by taking this really clear-eyed critical lens this tool that says in fact these identity categories exist and they are real. And we can look at the ways in which power gathers around them. And the, and we can see that very clearly through the ways in which these categories overlap and the ways in which they elide some of those overlaps.
1: The ways in which like these individual categories elide those overlaps.
0: Yeah. When Sylvia Plath claims to speak for all women or when we take Sylvia Plath to speak for the plight of all women, we are ignoring the way in which she speaks from a situated position as a white, middle-class American woman. Right. So we can use intersectionality as a reading practice to think critically about the texts that we are engaging with as literary scholars And we can use it, as Crenshaw suggests, as a tool for activism, for creating real political change.
1: So, okay, wait. How will intersectionality save the world?
0: Intersectionality will save the world by allowing us to do identity politics better. Right. And to avoid problems of essentialism. And anti-essentialism right. to avoid the idea that you must reduce all women to the category of woman in order to affect feminist change. And the anti-essentialist position where you say, ah, that category is absurd. It doesn't exist, right? Instead, you can look at the real ways in which these historical categories have accrued power over time and come to differentially impact the lives of of the human beings who are sorted into those categories.
1: Right. So, you know, just to repeat your point, intersectionality doesn't like told the death knell of identity politics, but it's just a way of bettering identity politics by rescuing it from the useless binary of essentialism and anti-essentialism.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like it is a tool for, solving some of the major problems of identity politics. So I think Crenshaw would say it's a tool for building coalitions. Right. By recognizing the, you know, categories that we share in common, even when we might differ, right? Mm -hmm. I also have to tell you something, which is that I read the essay that I thought, that I think, is like the definitional essay. Mm -hmm. So it's like 60 pages long and it's not an easy essay. Like it's about rape and domestic violence. Right. It's difficult reading. Right. And I emailed Chad Uh because Chad said he had taught Crenshaw's essay on intersectionality in his class. And I was like, holy shit, man, how did your students do with this? Mm -hmm. Like, this is kind of rough. And he was like, yeah, they were like, so confused by all her weird metaphors about people standing on each other's shoulders. And I was like, that that wasn't in the (laughs) essay I read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening to High Theory.
1: If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon or wherever you get your podcast fix.
0: Sharanik Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio.
1: You can also find us at hightheory.net.
0: We hope you have a highly theoretical day.